Good morning, church. Good morning. With temperatures in the triple digits, I know some of you will stay home. Um, we are going to move in because of uh, the heat situation. We are going to be using the, the uh, air conditioning in the church. Just want you to know that. Um, the question this morning, how many of you own a Bible of your own? I mean, it's yours. You've either written your name in it or somebody wrote your name in it. Maybe it's embossed on the outside. Maybe you own two, three, more like me, more like me, like a stack. I know they're out there. The Bible is the most published work in history. But having 17 copies of it gathering dust will do you no good. Here's the thing. The text that we have this morning hints at a deeper understanding of God's word and law in our lives, but it also has the roots of two of the two sort of notorious things going on as well. So I, I, I just, uh, two different ways that people think about God's word and what it is. Uh, and so let's read it and then we'll talk about that and talk about the word as it is. And I'm going to start in verse 12, and I'm going to go to 24. Actually, I'm going to go to 27. When the Gentiles sin, they'll be destroyed, even though they never had God's law, written law. And the Jews who do have God's law will be judged by that law when they fail to obey it. For merely listening to the law doesn't make us right with God. It is obeying the law that makes us right in his sight. Let's get this really interesting. When even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know his law when they instruct, instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. Let's, let's hear that again. Even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it, even when they've heard it. Now, two things come out of this. Thomas Aquinas used to say that uh, you could build a working knowledge of God's law just by observing the way people were and that you could understand what God's law. That's not really what's going on in this um, text. They demonstrate that God's law is written on their hearts and their own consciences and thoughts either accuse them and tell them when they're doing right. What it's saying in this case, not that you could, I think that I think that if you knew God's law, you could recognize the work of the specific laws and how they are and how they all work together in people's lives from observing people that feel bad and do things and all that stuff. But that's not what this is actually saying. This is actually saying that there are certain numbers of people that don't do stuff like they, like they don't kill people or they're good people all over the place that do good things. And they do it because somewhere in their heart and in their mind, they know what's right. And so they do that, but they don't know why. This is sort of a, the, the thing here. Now, this text also leads us into uh, another thought that's fairly big, uh, have you ever heard that there's many paths to God and there's all these other nations and they have lights to them. They have, they have a bit of the truth and you need to go study those things. That's what this is also talking about a little bit here, but it's not saying that there's other paths. What they're saying is 
that everybody's got a little bit of what God has designed people to be written on their hearts. Doesn't mean they understand everything about it. What it does mean is that they're responsible to pay attention to what they've got. Let's read on. Anyway, we'll see that. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and their thoughts either accuse them or tell them they're doing right, right? So their conscience say, oh, that was bad and you're, and you're messed up for doing it. And this is the message I proclaim, that the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. That's the life of you and your conscience in the talk. But the, this is the message I proclaim. Right? Remember that if we go all the way back into Romans 1, that what he's saying is, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the transformation of lives. I'm not afraid of the gospel. Now, what is the power of God for the transformation of lives? Is Christ crucified? Notice that it's really important here that to Paul and in the Romans, Jesus is Lord, is the whole of the gospel. Because he's Lord, and when you trust him, he's the king, and he takes care of you, and he can do all that stuff, and faith can save you because he is Lord. Just Jesus is Lord is the full gospel here. So this is the message that he proclaims, that the day is coming when God will, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. You who call yourself Jews are relying on God's law, and you boast about your special relationship with him, with God. You know what he wants. You know what is right because you have been taught his law. You are convinced that you are a guide for the blind and a light for people who are lost in darkness. And you think you can instruct the ignorant and teach children the ways of God. For you are certain that God's law gives you complete knowledge and truth. That is an understanding of the way that the Jews saw themselves at least the Jewishness saw itself. I don't know that individual Jews saw that in the same way that, as I said the other day, that an individual cult member may be caught in a cult but may not have all the beliefs and all those things of the cult, but is in that cult. We can we need to distinguish the teachings versus the thing, but the Jews were entrusted with the gospel as a light as a place to hold it and give it to the nations, not only for themselves, they were there. Well then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but do you steal? You say it's wrong to commit adultery, but do you commit adultery? You condemn idolatry, but do you use items stolen from pagan temples? You are so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder the scriptures say the Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you. And then I'm going to stop right there. We'll deal with the other stuff um, beyond next week. What does it mean here that the Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of the behavior of the Jews? Well, I want to take this apart from this other side. 
What does that mean when the people that are supposed to live by God's ways, that are supposed to know the truth, that are supposed to do all this stuff, and are supposed to be sharing, and they're supposed to be light to the nations, are not that? What do they do? And people literally look at them and say, well, you were supposed to know that, but you didn't know that, and, and it doesn't change your life. And so what they do is clearly the Lord, you don't believe the Lord or that would change you, or that Lord doesn't have the power to change you, and you're not different. Either of those, a person from the outside will look at it and says, I'm not signing up for that, and that God is a liar. But here's the deal. Here's the understanding. Here's something that I want you to hear from this, is that, that while the word of the Bible as a written document is, is, uh, is inspired. I want to make sure that we say that, that God's words in human mouths, if you will, yes, inspired the word of God. And, and yes, it is written on our hearts too. Ezekiel 36 speaks about this, not on tablets of stone or paper, but on flesh that, and, and the Bible promises that when, when Messiah comes, that, that God will no longer have the law written outside the people's hearts, but it'll be written inside the hearts and all this. And, and, and you could actually say that, 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 that has come into fruition, even especially this, but, but here it is God's law on our lips. Yes. On our hearts. Yes. We ought to be reading and speaking God's word and talking about God's word, but it has to be reflected, not just in our mouth, but in our hearts. We have to be putting it there, but we also have to be living and dealing with what it does in our lives and all that. And then not just on our lips and not just in our hearts, but in our actions. Yes, our lives have to actually be changed by the thing. So this is what I mean, this is the mark of what it means to be God's people. And Paul is removing the Jewish thing, the Jewish excuse for saying, well, we don't have to turn or we don't have to do anything because we've got God's law. I want to ask you a question here. Do we, as Christians, as believers do that? Here, let me read this little piece for you. This is this is the same thing that I, I just took just a moment to do this one. And, and this is a rewording of this. Does this sort of describe us today as a, as a people of God? When people that don't believe sin, they will be destroyed, even though they've never had God's written word. And the Christians who do have God's word will be judged by the same word they failed to live by. For merely listening to the word or having three copies of it in your house doesn't make us right with God. It is the faithful life response to his word that makes us right in his sight. Even non-believers who do not have God's written word show that they know his ways when they subconsciously obey it, even without having heard it. They demonstrate that God has written his law on their hearts when their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them that they're doing right or wrong. What is this message that I proclaim? 
that the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's thought life. You who call yourself believers are relying on having Bibles, and you boast about your special relationship with it or with God. You know what he wants. You know what is right because you have been taught his word. You are convinced that you are a guide for the blind and a light for the people in your law. For people who are lost in darkness, you think you can instruct the ignorant and teach children the ways of God, for you are certain that God's word gives you complete understanding of everything in your life and in theirs. Does that describe us? Well then, if you instruct others and, and inform others, why don't you talk about yourself? You tell others not to steal, but you take whatever you want. You say it is wrong to commit adultery, but do you use people for your own gratification? You condemn false worship, but do you yell and scream at the Seahawks or Mariners or Gonzaga? You are so proud of knowing the Bible, but you dishonor God by ignoring what it requires in your own life. No wonder the Bible says, non-believers malign the name of God because of us. That's what the Bible's talking about. That's why it's such a big deal. If we just talk about that today, what I really need to say to you today is this, that we need to put the word of God inside us. That we need to understand it is his word and we are his workmanship. And so we need to be reading the owner's manual for our life or the love letter from God. And we need to put it in us, but not just put it in us. We need to work out and struggle for our own salvation with the understanding of what that word means and then live the outworking of that in our individual lives as we move forward. Because if we don't, the witness is this. Those people have that, and they say they've got it, and they talk about it all the time, but they're not different, and they're not transformed, and either they don't believe what God says, or what God says doesn't have enough power to change them. Folks, peeps, family, friends, let's be transformed by the renewing of our mind, the application of this thing, because we do have a past and you're to be on display in front of people, whether you like it or not, you're on display with people. They're looking to see whether or not God can make a difference in their life. And the witness is in ours. So has our life changed? Because if our life's not changed, then why would they trust it? And so, friends, because God's word has this power, we need to do it. And we need to understand that when we represent ourselves as Christian, whether or not people know something about it, it's not whether they're talking about you negative, it's whether or not they have a reason to talk about you negative. Right? There's always somebody talking about you. It's okay. What good is it if you suffer for doing bad when you did bad? 
but it's credited to you, First Peter, says if you are maligned for doing good, that those people that do that will own that in their own time on the day when God judges the secret life, thought life of people. We're responsible for what we've had access to. And the Bible is the most printed book in the world. We've got access. Now we're responsible to it. We need to live it. Will you pray with me? Dear Jesus, today, today we... We come before you and we understand that we've had a lot of access and we might even have been caught standing around in the vicinity of your word. Talking about your word, Lord, help us live what's there. When we're wrong, help us seek forgiveness. When we're right, help us move boldly. When we're being led, guide us strongly. In your precious name, Lord Jesus, amen.